Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're going to be discussing anxiety and the empath. We have gotten a lot of emails from you all asking us to cover this topic and I think it's an important one because don't you agree, Denise, that empaths often feel anxious about, oh, I don't know, little things like the state of the world? Very much so. And personal issues, national issues, international issues, climate. And part of that is basically we suck stuff up like a sponge. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. And I think empaths feel this compulsion, this need to fix, help, and be there for everyone. That's true. And in that need, I think what we're doing subconsciously is courting with our energy, you know, sending out these cords of energy linking into other people's anxieties and worries because we have this innate need to help people. Right. And couple that with the intensity of everything being instantaneous with media overload, with constant nudes feeds. We talked about this in other shows, but they're doing studies now on there's actually a disorder for children with basically too much screen time and how it's impacting them with their emotions, with behaviors. And I think for all of us, if we don't take a break from the constant barrage of energy coming at us, it can be detrimental. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and so that's why it's really important for empaths to understand first that they are empaths and second that a lot of the emotions and anxieties they're feeling aren't really their own. Some are, and it's super important to be able to discern the difference. You know, I think of it when I was a mom in the beginning, well, still even now that they're teenagers, but especially when they were little, if I was in a grocery store and I heard any child go, mom, all my spidey senses went up and I was tuned in and ready to help that child. Do you remember those, those like instincts you had? Yes. And I think it's kind of the same for empaths. Like when, when subconsciously someone is sending out a message of, oh my God, I need help. I think the empath is like the, that new mom who's just tuned into those instincts of someone needs me, which is why I just think it's really important to be aware of all that unseen energy flying around you, you know, because Studies have shown that we score really high on the emotional intelligence test, but I read that the Journal of Psychiatry reported that individuals with high empathy often have social phobia, and they show sensitivity and attentiveness to other people's states of mind. And the report went on to say socially anxious individuals may demonstrate a unique social cognitive ability profile with elevated cognitive empathy tendencies and high accuracy and effective mental state attributions. Now, what the hell does all that mean? <laughs> it means that science has shown us that we really are tuned in to other people's emotions. So it's nice to see when science backs this up. Very, very true. And I think a lot of times just identifying is this mine. Or am I picking up someone else's stuff? As empaths, that's really important as highly sensitive people. But some of the common symptoms of anxiety, and I think anxiety, depression, all of those things, there is a spectrum. There, is, there are varying degrees. There are circumstantial issues that may bring things on. There may be environmental issues that bring things on. But I'm not, we're not talking about psychiatric disorders. We're not medical people. We're not doing any diagnosis in this show. I think that's really, really important because some of the things we're going to talk about may sound not prescriptive, but as tools that if anything feels like you should check in with your uh, medical professional, please realize that's what we're, we're asking you to do. One of the things, if you're always excessive worrying, and we're not talking about your, your son or daughter just got their license, they're on their maiden voyage with the car and it starts to snow. No, we're talking about persistent, you know, is it at least six months? Is it difficult to control? Is it severe and intrusive, making it hard to concentrate or accomplish your daily task? But I think sometimes excessive worry can it can boot in with the overthinking that some of us are prone to. Do you agree with that? Yes, I definitely do. I think empaths are almost always guilty of overthinking things. You know, Denise, I read this article when I was doing research for today's show, 
it was written by someone for the, um, what's it called? The Elephant Journal, I think mm-hmm. it's called. And it was kind of an in-your-face article. And she said in there, you know, this is kind of an in-your-face <laughs> article essay. She was saying that, yes, she's an empath. Yes, she has empathic friends. But she's so tired of listening to empaths blame their energy on everyone else. She was saying, like, it, it's important to avoid the type of thinking that leads one to blame all of our anxiety and stuff on someone else or the state of the world because we need to take time to own our emotions. So rather than say the world's heavy energy is making me sad, she was making the point, try to take the time to look at aspects in your life that are making you sad. And I thought that was an interesting perspective. She was trying to say that a lot of anxiety is rooted in un expressed or repressed emotions and thoughts and what an empath will often do is project those inner anxieties onto what's going on in the news or politics or at work or in their extended family rather than take the time and say you know what what's really at the root of this is like an existential crisis and i agree with that i'm a big 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 believer in own your stuff yeah. Uh, and, you know, that can lead into another symptom of anxiety of feeling agitated. And the reality of that is it's your sympathetic nervous system kicking in and causing your, your pulse to race, causing sweaty palms, causing shaky hands, causing your mouth to go dry. Because your brain thinks that you've sent some sort of danger and your body sends the blood away from your digestive system towards your muscles in case you need to run like the fight or flight thing. So it it's all tied in, and we've, we've also talked about this a lot, how our body is an indicator, how we're, we're physically reacting to something or mentally reacting to something. Those are indicators that there's some kind of a stimuli that's happening to cause the behavior. Do you- yeah, I actually read an art, another study that they tested empaths, and it showed that our central nervous system is actually set up differently than most people's. And so we do go into that fight or flight mode and drop more cortisol than the average person. Right. Suggestions that we're going to talk about later is some suggestions from Judith Orloff's new book. And she had mentioned having your cortisol level tested to see, do you need a a replacement? Do you need to do something to lower those levels? Because it can be that, not simple, but that can be one technique to use to, to alleviate stress and anxiety. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. Now, if you're experiencing a lot of daily anxiety, this can lead to something called empath fatigue. And this is when the empath gets so busy helping others that we don't know where we end and someone else begins. Because we just tend to go through our world differently. Like, let's say, for example, you're at a social function. You're at someone's house for a party. You're going to notice if the hostess is stressed. You're the one who's going to notice that the guest bathroom has just run out of toilet paper or if someone in the party is feeling left out. You as the empath, you're going to be more clued into that. All those little subtle nuances that the average person just kind of overlooks, doesn't pay attention to, doesn't even show up as a blip on their radar screen. And I know I'm like that and it kind of makes me feel, you know, weird or different where I'm always the one going... Ooh, I think I think Joni looks a little stressed out right now. Maybe we should help her out in the kitchen. Or, oh my gosh, that that little kid is sitting all alone at the lunch table. Let's do something about that. One way to counteract that uh, empathic fatigue is to learn to control your thoughts and reduce negative emotions and beliefs. There's so much power in twisting things to be more positive, to not getting to falling down that rabbit hole with because that leads to the excessive worry, that leads to the agitation. Again, listening and respecting your body. Getting, and a huge one, huge, 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 is getting enough sleep, because yeah. that goes back to what you said about deep restorative sleep helps you to replenish your cortisol levels and, and lower the stress. Yes, and you're going to be picking up on those subtle extra cues throughout your day. So the quicker you can get control of that, the better off you're going to be. Like at work, you're going to be the one who picks up on the subtle tension or the subterfuge going on at the meeting. You're going to notice when a coworker is having like a sad or an off day 
all that unspoken animosity or stress or tension, it's bubbling around the surface all the time throughout our days. And the average person walks through all that dirt and debris. Like, I really think if we could see energy, I think that anxiety, worry, stress would look like dirt, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of like clouds of dirt around us. And usually because you're the one who noticed these, these, these things, it can make you feel anxious and overwhelmed and responsible because you're the only one cluing into this stuff. And so I think it is really important to know your limits. Know when you've had enough in a day or in a week and start to reschedule your day, your life. If going out more than once a week for a social function is too much for you, honor that. Don't push yourself. If you've decided you need one day a week to be alone and de-stress, take that day. If your phone texting a million times an hour freaks you out, put it on silence. If you want to see a movie or a show, but you know the subject or content will make you sad, pass on it. And I, I think really and truly just recognizing and accepting who you are and how you work in the world is the best key you can use to overcome anxiety. My daughter just saw that movie, Jojo Rabbit. It's about the Nazis. And she came home from the theater with her friends and she cried. Remember I told you, Denise, she just sat and cried with me for like two hours because the movie just made her so sad. And we talked about the history of the Nazis and what the implications of that are. And she asked me, why are there evil people in the world? I mean, it really brought up a lot of stuff for her. But ever since she's seen that movie, every day she's asked me, Mom, I want you to come see that movie too. I really think you'd like it. <laughs> telling her, honey, I can't watch stuff like that. I, I just can't, you know? I just can't. Are you like that? Like that? those documentaries? Everyone's telling me to watch that cat documentary on Netflix about the guy who injures cats. I'm not watching that. I, I can't. I can't do it. I mean, no. physically, mentally, spiritually, I, I can't watch that kind of stuff. It makes me physically ill. And, yes. and gets stuck in my head and I can't get it out. So I, many years ago, I made a conscious choice to, to not subject myself to that. I, I don't like it. I ended up at the movies recently with some friends and I didn't know what the movie was. And there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of, and I, my friend, she loves, she says, Denise, I am so, so sorry. I didn't know this was going to be this movie. And they're also very sensitive and empathic, the ladies that, that I went with. And we were all just like standing there like, what in God's name were we thinking going to that movie? But the way that it was advertised didn't really allude to it being as, as graphic and violent as it was. What's the Quentin Tarantino movie with John Travolta and Samuel Jackson? Oh, I can picture it. I can't think of it. From the 90s. I went to see that movie in the theater and I was appalled. Like the entire time I am sitting there wanting to walk out, but I was on a date and I didn't think that would be, you know, appropriate or kind. So I sat through it and I, it, it, I can't tell you what that movie did to me. I hated it. And at the end of the movie, I've never seen this before or since, everybody except me stood up and applauded. Oh, Yeah. I mean, like cheered and applauded. And I said to my date, we did just watch someone kill someone and then eat a sandwich. And this is considered the best movie of the year. And he was like, yeah, wasn't that awesome? And again, it just made me feel alone, weird, and different. To this day, I meet people who that's their favorite movie. I don't get it. I cannot watch stuff like that. The phone texting and binging, that's hard for me because when my kids aren't with me, I have to have my phone on just because I'll worry if I don't. But when we're all home, I turn my phone off. I put it on silence or I'll just shut it off. And you get weird pressure from your friends when you do that. I texted you an hour ago. Are you okay? What's going on? That feeling of needing to be plugged in, tuned in, turned on, connected, 100% of the time, as an empath, that's very overwhelming to me. I agree, and that goes back to the overload. So if you think about uh, younger children that are being bombarded with that, that are highly sensitive and empathic, it's what we're going through even more intensified. 
because they don't have the skill levels, the base of knowledge or the experience to deflect that. Yeah, they um, don't. I make my kids check their screen time every day, you know, because it, it adds it up for you because they're not even aware of how much time they're spending on their phones. And so I, I make them monitor that at, at dinner or while we're doing homework. I'll say, all right, pull out your phones. I want to see how much time you spend on your, on your phone. And they're like, oh, mom, I barely looked at it today. And then they'll open it up and it'll say two hours and five minutes. They don't realize that Snapchatting their friends for 10 minutes between class or looking at TikTok videos at the cafeteria, all of that is adding up. And it's all times that they're tuning out, you know, to reality and checking into this this illusionary world of screens. So yeah, I, I think parents, we have an extra, extra challenge to monitor that. Speaking of monitoring, I think another great tip for dealing with anxiety is to monitor your emotions. Check in with yourself throughout the day. Like this is something I do. I'll be going throughout my day, da, 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 nothing different or major about this day. And out of nowhere, this rush of anxiety will, will hit me. Do you ever get that? Like you'll just be driving the same route you drive every day and you'll get this like flood of anxiety? At times, yes. Yeah. It doesn't happen to me often either, but it will happen. And I'll, I'll have to go, okay, wait, hold on, little anxiety, annoying friend. Where are you coming from? And I have to track it. And it's so interesting how unaware I am a lot of the time of my own thoughts because I'll track it and I'll go, oh, the radio... I'm listening to this song on a radio and then the news just interrupted and brought in this like terrifying story of X, Y, and Z going on and that's what triggered it. But I wasn't even consciously aware of it because I'm just singing along to the song and driving my normal route, not even thinking that I'm also processing the five-minute news break and that made me go, oh, that's scary. That's true. We always talk about developing boundaries. And this comes up in so many aspects of so many shows for all of us. I think for, for many, it's finding a way to not feel selfish, but realizing it's a sensible choice. And it's a way to take care of ourselves. If we're constantly putting everyone else first, that isn't healthy. And it can lead to depression, stress and anxiety. So similar to what you were saying a few minutes ago, scheduling some daily quiet time to recharge. And that might be five minutes. It's amazing what you can do in three to five minutes. Limit time emotionally with certain people or situations. Make time for it for in your life for things that are really important to you. And they might be, making chicken soup can be one of the most zen centering things in the world. It's, or baking a cake or weeding the garden, just that being so present with something that is nurturing your connection to yourself. Yeah, I agree. And having something in every day to look forward to. Right. Even if it's just coming home from work and putting on your jammies. But if you can have something every day that you're looking forward to, it's going to help sustain and maintain your emotions. Now, I read something really powerful, at least to me, about setting boundaries. It might have been Henry Cloud. I can't remember. But it, what I read said, the reason why people don't like to set boundaries and resist setting boundaries is because when we set a boundary, we are going to hurt someone's feelings. That's exactly true. That is that so true. And I never really, it's so simple, but I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Every time you say, no, I can't do that, or you're not allowed to talk to me that way, or, no, I'm not going to stay late once again. I have to get home to my family. You're hurting someone's feelings. You're upsetting their day. You're letting them down. You're disappointing them. These are all things the empath tries very hard to avoid. But if you can just make peace with the fact that every single day you're going to let someone down, it's just kind of a fact, right? It I mean, can be. Every That's time I tell my child, no. You can't have dessert before dinner. I'm letting her down. Every time I say, no, you can't actually go see your friend until your room is clean. I'm letting her down. Every time I email a client and say, I'm sorry, I have a waiting list. I'm disappointing them. We are going to be disappointing and letting people down all the time. And we just need to wrap our heads around that as a fact. Well, because it's, we don't want it to have these long-term 
impacts on our physical, mental, and spiritual health. So if we're working to balance our nervous system because we're constantly listening or feeling other people's fears and complaints or our own, if we're making stuff up in our own heads and causing our own stress and anxiety, I think that that's, that runs neck and neck with picking up other people's stuff. But it again, it triggers your, your nervous system into overdrive, which can lead to long-term health issues, high blood pressure, autoimmune disease. And taking the time, and we always push meditation, mindfulness, walking in nature, getting grounded. But those are all really, really concrete things that you can do on a daily basis to counteract this impact. Sometimes some people are really into essential oils and some of the re relaxing essential oils might be using lavender or chamomile or bergamot. You can use them in a diffuser, massage oil, in a bath. And I've been reading the new stuff on sometimes certain oils and diffusers can be uh, have a negative impact on, on animals in your home. So please be careful about that. And practice emotional shielding, not to the point of shutting people out. But one of the things I had read talked about a 20 foot rule that if you're feeling all of a sudden you feel drained, anxious, exhausted, restless, all the symptoms of anxiety, and you're, you're having a conversation with someone or you're in a situation, if you have the opportunity to step away for 20 feet, go in the bathroom, walk outside, do whatever you need to do and see if it's yours. So then you'll know your starting off point of how to deal with it. So if it's someone else, do I need to shield against this person or situation? Or is this something personally going on with me that I need to identify? Because I think that's a huge, huge part of dealing with anxiety of, is it mine or is it something I'm picking up? Yeah. And this is why doing body work, energy work is so important because often, especially the beginning empath doesn't understand the difference. When you learn to tune in and feel your own energy through chakra work, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, you will much more easily be able to discern, is this mine or someone else's? Now, I want to talk about what to do when you are truly in an anxious state of your life, where it's not just you picking up on negative news or you just worried about your friend going through a difficult time, but when you're actually in an anxious time of your life, what are some things you can do? But before we do that, let's just take a quick break and tell people who we are. You're listening to Enlightened Empaths with Denise and Samantha, and we're happy to announce that our Mediumship 101 lunchtime class begins in March. We're meeting the four Fridays in March from 12 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're looking to strengthen your connection to your source, guides, angels, and loved ones on the other side, please join us for this interactive and informative class. Each week, you're partnered up with someone new to practice mediumship exercises. You'll receive well over 100 pages of handouts, and you'll also get two of Samantha's guided meditations when you sign up. To connect with us, please visit our websites at samanthafay.com and thegratefulmessenger.com. I'm having so much fun with our current mediumship class. It's such a great group, and I can't wait to meet the lunchtime class. It's just so fun to see everybody finally getting it, like actually owning that they have this ability. Isn't it like the most exciting thing? It is. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and finally, I just want to let everyone know that I have a new bracelet on my website. It's Kyanite, which is my go-to stone for chakra work and meditation. The cool thing about Kyanite is that it can't hold negativity, so it never needs to be cleansed. Its main job is to cleanse, align, and help balance your chakras. So you can wear your Kyanite bracelet to help keep your chakras in tip-top shape, enhance your intuition, and deepen your meditation practice. You can find that bracelet plus more like my downloadable e-courses at samanthafay.com. I just want to announce I'm going to be in Vermont in April 20, the end of April, 25th, 26th, and I'm going to be teaching an intuitive tarot class as well as doing readings. I'm going to be in Toronto in May, uh, mid-May, May 15th through 18th. So that's another option for our Canadian friends if you'd like to connect for an in-person reading. I'm also going to be offering the intuitive tarot class as a video course, and that will be coming later this spring. So I'm really excited to have some new, new offerings and options, and I'll keep you updated on where my travels are going to take me. That sounds awesome. I think learning the tarot from you is going to be fantastic for people because you approach it from not like a rigid, this is the only way to do it, but from an intuitive 
here's how you can learn to use the tarot for your unique intuitive approach. Thank you. And that's the way we do the mediumship class. We try to give people the skills to develop their own mediumship, not the way that you or I do it. And I think right. that's so vital with this type of work. I do too. Because you've got to own who you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So in my life right now, I'm going through a lot of anxious times, right? Because I've got three teenage girls. I'm trying to prepare one for college, get the other one ready for the SATs and get the other one ready for high school. And on top of that, I've got two very, very sick parents. So I'm having to go over there every day and cook dinner and get their coffee ready and entertain them and bathe them and clip their toenails. And it's just a lot. So I'm cooking every night for my kids and I'm cooking for my parents now. And it's very, very overwhelming. And it does make me anxious. And I've, you know, I've got my whole situation with my mom. And Denise, she asks me every day, Samantha, I know you're the psychic one in the family. Please tell me if I'm dying this year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it's super fun. Oh. So whenever I get in those times of just so much anxiety and overwhelmed and feeling like an octopus pulled in every direction and, and like everyone. And my pets, I've got two sick pets now. Oh. Lily has a urinary tract infection and a protein something disorder. I can't remember the fancy name. And Charlie's trachea has collapsed. So oh. I don't mean to laugh, but it's so overwhelming. So they're on medicine. Um, so it's just, I have a lot, lot, lot going on right now. And one of the things I have had to do that has really helped me if you guys are like me, you read these articles and it says, every day you should exercise. Every day you should meditate. Every day you should pray. You should write in your gratitude journal. You should, it's like, you should, you should, you should. And I've tried to do all of that every day. And you know what, Denise? I can't. There's not enough time in a day. So I thought, okay, Samantha, you're in a busy season. That's what my friend told me. And I really like that phrase because it's made me feel like, okay, this isn't going to be forever. It's just a busy season. So during this busy season, how can I meet my needs? And so now instead of trying to meditate, pray, and write every single day and exercise, I just print out a weekly calendar and I just tape it to my desk because I have to have it where I can see it. And I will write down Monday, meditate. Tuesday, say the rosary. Wednesday, exercise. Thursday, meditate. Friday exercise. And I just, I write down every single day, one thing that's important to me that I have to do that day. So rather than trying to do everything we're supposed to do in each and every single day, I've decided to spread it out into a week. And it's been hugely helpful. And that makes perfect sense because it's still honoring yourself and giving yourself that time you need to recharge your batteries and take care of yourself but not making it an obligation or another stress. Yeah, because that's exactly how those self-care strategies were starting to feel for me, like another stress. Oh, I didn't exercise today. Oh, I didn't pray today. And it gets to be um, not self-care. It gets to be like another should, another to-do list. And so if any of you are in an anxious state as well or a busy season, think about what are some things I really want to do for myself? Because it, it might not be meditating, praying, and exercising for you. It might be something else. But think about your three must. I have to do these three things to feel connected to my source, to, to feel seen inside my soul. What are those three things? And then literally schedule them in to each and every single week. And if you're like me where you get so busy and caught up, you forget, write it down and put it somewhere where you can see it. And then check it off. I, I get so much pleasure when I get to check those off each week because I feel like, yes, it is busy and stressful, but I'm getting shit done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're taking care of yourself. That's and right. Another little thing to consider is find something creative to do. Art, cooking, gardening, dancing, something that shuts your brain off and lets you just step away from all of it for a few minutes. That can be a really helpful tool as well. Yeah, 
Totally. I have started trying to, because my, my nights are just as busy as my days, you know, because I work all day and then at, at, after dinner, I've got to go check on my parents and then I've got to help with homework and, you know, and then get ready for the next day and all that. And so what I've started to do is after dinner, I make my kids do the dishes and put all that stuff away. And while they're doing that, I sit in my big comfy reading chair and I just read for like 20 minutes. It's just a nice little calming centered thing I can do in the middle of a hectic day and evening to again reconnect and then go back out and meet the world now I know I have a friend who's in a very busy season of her life she takes a 20 minute nap every day before or after dinner I can't do that that is not for me I can't I don't know I can't fall asleep like that and I can't wake up that quickly but she does and it works wait for her. So I'm just trying to say it might not be reading, it might, it might not be meditating, it might not be napping, but whatever it is that reconnects you back to you and makes you makes your breathing calm and slow down, makes your thoughts slow down, try to incorporate that into your weekly routine. It might not be your daily re- routine, but at least your weekly routine. And don't forget to include self-love and self-compassion into your daily life. Ask yourself, for example, is there anything I can do about this situation that is giving me anxiety right now? If the answer is yes, then do it. But if the answer is no, then let it go. If you're haunted by anxious thoughts of missed opportunities or perceived failures, ask yourself, did I do my best with the knowledge I had then? 99.9% of the times, the answer is going to be yes. But when you reframe it with that question, did I do the best with the knowledge I had at that time? Then let it go and be kind and gentle to yourself. And if you're really worried about someone and you're, you're anxious about something that's going on with a friend or a family member, but maybe... Maybe they're in a toxic place right now or they're pulling you down into their negativity. You can pull back and still help. You can send a prayer to them. You can light a candle for them. You can send Reiki for them. You can create a crystal grid that's healing for them. A really simple way to do that, you can either take a photo of them or write their name down and you just put it down in the center of of your grid You put a centering crystal over the picture or the piece of paper with their name on it. Ideally, it's going to be a pyramid or an obelisk-shaped crystal so that the energy is directed up. And then you're going to put at least four crystals around that center crystal, representing north, east, south, and west. But you can put more. just has to be at least four. And then every time that you walk past that little grid, you're going to send that grid energy and love and light. And those are ways that you can still help someone without getting down in the mud with them. Those are wonderful suggestions because you don't want it to all get to the point where it becomes adrenal fatigue, where you're so exhausted, your body aches, you're anxious, you're having trouble thinking clearly. All the techniques that you're mentioning are ways to circumvent it becoming more extreme or becoming so overwhelming that it's difficult to to function in your daily life. Judith Orloff's book, The Ecstasy of Surrender, she gives some strategies to relieve adrenal fatigue. And we had mentioned earlier about the cortisol levels and blood tests and those type of things, getting rest, eliminating energy vampires. She advocates a natural food diet and eliminating junk food. And that seems to be across the board if you do any research of Pay attention to what you're putting into your body during times of high stress because I think we process it differently. My default position is to reach for sugar. If I'm upset or nervous or anxious, I'll literally crave a specific type of candy or sweet. And I know that that a physiological reaction as well as a comfort thing. So learning, avoiding processed foods can be something and sugar but something with the exercise, I think sometimes we're promoted, oh, you've got to, you have to run, you have to, it can be gentle, it can be stretching, it can be doing some, some simple yoga, it can be walking at a pace where you can still just relax and enjoy it. Um, you know, the meditation, it's a wonderful practice in many different ways. Little things you can do to take care of yourself is 
cut back on caffeine or abstain from alcohol. If you're a smoker, maybe cut back a little bit. I think there are so many different ways that we can integrate these techniques, practices, and tools into our lives on a daily basis to take care of ourselves, not at the exclusion of taking care of other people we love and care about. Yes. And through this thinking and reflecting process, really start to think about who and what drains me in my life right now. What is draining your energy? Who is draining your energy? Is it you? Is it a friend, a family member, a coworker? Is it the news? What is draining your energy right now? And start to get really honest about this. And this might involve sitting in silence. So I don't even mean meditation. I just mean a lot of empaths, when we get overwhelmed and anxious, we tend to go into distraction mode. So we listen to a lot of podcasts or we talk on the phone to help other people through their problems. We read a lot of fun books or watch a lot of silly fun shows. We are trying to distract ourselves from the overwhelming feeling of anxiety inside of ourselves because we don't want to sit and deal with it. That's scary. That feels overwhelming. But I'm telling you, the only way to get rid of anxiety very often is to sit with it for a little bit. And the only way you can sit with it is to make room for silence in your life. So take the AirPods out of your ear, turn the TV off, put the phone down, and just sit or walk or drive in silence. And just listen, listen. Your soul always knows the answer. And ask, ask your soul questions. What is draining my energy right now? Who is causing my anxiety? And be open to the answer. You might see an image or, or feel an answer of you. You're causing your anxiety. You're your own worst enemy. You need to sit with these emotions and process them. Or you might see someone you're not even aware of that's draining your energy. You know, it might be a coworker who's doing something negative at work and, and your intuition is aware of it, but your conscious isn't. But if you sit in that silence, you're going to get the answer. Those are beautiful, beautiful suggestions. There's a really good book I've recommended a lot on this show before. It's called Sacred Selfishness by Bud Harris. I think empaths should read that book because it talks about how it is really and truly okay to be a little selfish and focus more on you. And if you're going through an anxious time or you deal with chronic anxiety, learning how to focus on you and your energy, I really think is a crucial survival tool. You know, a lot of people talk about the benefits of writing a gratitude journal, and I agree. I mean, even again, science backs it up. When we focus on what we're grateful for, everything else in our life changes. Another really easy, easy thing to do is sometimes when I've been going through ridiculously stressful times, I just will say to myself over and over, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. If you're worried about how financially this has worked as well, is, and it's not a religious thing as much as a release and surrender, the Lord will provide. Find something that you can, like a mantra or something you can say that will help you recenter to yourself and realize you're not alone getting through this. But both of those are wonderful, wonderful little messages to, to help yourself recenter, take some deep breaths and say, I'm going to make it through this. I'll be okay. Yeah. You know, I just read a book that our friend Asia recommended to me called The Way of the Rose. And it's about, a, it's a refreshing new look at the rosary through the divine feminine. And one of the things that the authors point out in that book is that Mary isn't here to help save the day. She's not Wonder Woman. She's here to sit with you in your pain. She's here to sit with you in your anxiety. She's there to sit with you in the stillness, in the moments of doubt. And that has helped me so much, Denise, because so often when I am in these anxious moments of, oh my gosh, I'm pulled in all these directions. I'm never going to be able to be everything to everyone. What am I going to do? And where the hell is Mary? Mm -hmm. And he was saying in this book, even when her own son was dying on the cross, she couldn't stop it but she was there for him. She walked with him up on that hill. She watched him. She helped him down off the cross, washed his body, prepared it, and was there when he rose. And I thought, oh. And so, you know, when you were saying if, if prayer helps you, very often when I've been in my dark nights of the soul, I have kind of thought, well, screw you, God and Mary. Like, where are you now? 
And then reading that book, it reminded me, oh, we do sign up for these difficult times, but we aren't alone. They might not be able to stop it or prevent it or instigate a miracle because it's part of my destiny, my fate, my soul plan, but they are there with me. And if you take moments to practice these stillness, this meditation, these times in nature that we're talking about, you will start to tune in and feel and sense that their guidance really and truly was with you all along. Like that overused, and I don't know why, it just annoys me to see it now, but the footprints poem. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. You, know, you see it everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, okay, he carried me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's actually very, very true. And I think making making ourselves aware of that fact. And it doesn't have to be God or Mary or Jesus. It can be whoever your higher power is. It can be your higher soul. But whatever you are believing in, you need to lean into that during times of anxiety and just ask them to hold your hand through it. And keep in mind, if you have that inner rebel like I do, where you just get angry rather than sad when you're going through difficult times and thinking, where's God now? Just to remember, oh, our guides, our angels, they are always with us. They're holding our hands through this. I have to be aware of that. I have to ask for that sustenance and that help. Um, but what I was going to say about the Grateful Journal, I think it's really important if you do decide to start or continue a gratitude journal to also add in there things you're grateful for you about. I'm grateful that I you know, didn't say yes to this today. I'm grateful that I took time for myself today. I'm grateful that I took a moment to be kind to this person, or I'm so proud of myself for picking up trash when I walked to the beach today, whatever it is. But I think adding ourselves to the gratitude is really important. And I think it's something empaths don't ever think to do. True. And it's a good practice to make habit or try to become a habit. Yeah. Now, a lot of empaths don't feel connected to their body. Empaths are very often out of their body or mainly in their head, overthinking things, processing things, picking up things that aren't theirs. Getting into your body is super important when you're feeling anxiety. So whether that's just putting one hand on your belly and one hand on your heart and feeling the rise of your belly as you do deep breaths and sending love and warmth from your hands into your heart, that can help get you into your body. Whether it's just dancing like a silly, crazy person in your kitchen to some fun, happy music, or going for a walk or riding a bike, anything that makes you feel connected to your body is going to help bring you back to center and release some of that excess anxiety. It also helps you figure out what your vulnerable point is with your stress and anxiety. So if you pay it, start to pay attention to where you react physically, do you get an upset stomach? Does your heart hurt? Do you get a stiff neck? Do you get bladder infections? Do you get headaches? If you start paying attention, you'll notice that there's usually a pattern with where the stress manifests in your body and the anxiety. Yeah, that's so, so important. Again, that's getting in touch with who you are, who, what's your energy, what's not your energy. Don't forget as well to practice psychic protection techniques. I'm actually working on an e-course for this, Denise, in my free time, <laughs> i.e. 1 a.m. Sunday nights. <laughs> and I'm having the hardest time putting this together. I mean a hard time putting this together. And I was talking to Deb about it, and she was like, Samantha, you could talk about psychic protection for like four hours without taking a breath. Why are you having a hard time? And I said, there's so much to say about this topic. I don't know where to begin or how to organize it because I, I think it's so important for the average person. I'm not talking about the medium, the intuitive. I think everybody needs to practice psychic protection and, and I just have so much to say. So I won't go on and on, I promise, Denise, but picking up any book on psychic protection is going to help the empath. I would recommend probably, as always, Ted Andrews' book on psychic protection uh, but also Judy Hall has a good one on psychic protection with crystals for any of my fellow crystal lovers out there. And Cassandra Eason has a really good one. It came out, I think, just like two years ago. Rosemary Ellen Guiley has a great one on psychic protection. But just learning simple shielding techniques. Like if you're around a negative person, and by negative, I don't, I'm not 
saying like, oh, a mean, nasty person. By negative, I just mean someone who's not working from the positive side of their vibrations. So all of us are giving out negative energy at different points in our life. You know, you come home from a bad day, you're not in a good mood, you're giving out negative vibes. So I don't mean a negative person, you know, as like a mean, cruel person. If, if you're just at work and a bunch of your coworkers are in a shitty mood because they've got a deadline and no one's working together, that's negative energy. And you can just cross your arms and cross your legs to shield yourself from that. You can wear like a black tourmaline or shungite pendant around your neck. Make sure it hits over your higher heart chakra or your actual heart chakra to shield your energy from picking up on all those negative vibes coming at you. You can wear a black agate or a tiger's eye or a hematite bracelet to shield your energy from picking up on other people's stuff. You can also just visualize white light around you to project positive energy, or you can visualize a shield of gold light around you because that's going to seal in your aura and not allow people to penetrate it with their negative stuff. Or you can visualize the violet flame around you because that's going to burn off negative energy coming at you before it can penetrate your aura. You can visualize a disco ball around you to deflect anything coming at you back to the sender. So there's so much you can do to practice psychic protection. And there are hand mudras and there's yoga techniques and there's mantras. There's so many things you can do to practice psychic protection. You need to find the one that works for you. But I think people need to practice psychic protection the way they need to brush their teeth. It needs to be at least once a day. It's a lot of information. Sorry, I know. Oh, no, it's, it, I think it's very important, especially as we're talking about anxiety and depression and stress, because that can help us deflect some of that. Well, and you talked before about learning to control your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important skill when we're talking about anxiety. There's a really good book called The Power of Concentration. You can find it free online. It's written by um, Thurmont. Oh, I always forget his last name. Anyway, it's called The Power of Concentration. You can even listen to it free on iTunes. If you Google it under podcasts, someone has recorded it for free. And it has a wonderful exercises and strategies in there for learning to concentrate. If you can learn to concentrate your mind, you will, as, as a byproduct, learn how to control your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Something else that I do is I picture three X's, like the three X's from the family feud. Mm -hmm. And I just say, clear, cancel, delete, clear, cancel, delete, if a negative thought comes into my mind, which happens all the time. Last night, my daughter went out uh, with all of her friends and she said, I'll be home at 1030. I said, okay, great, honey, have fun. Off she goes. 11 o'clock, she's not home. So I'm not like mad, you know, but I need to know where she is. And I haven't put that app on my kid's phone yet, Denise, because I feel weird tracking my kids. But after last night, I think I might have to. So I texted her at 11 o'clock. Hey, honey, hope you're having fun. Just check in. Nothing. So what happens? Panicky thoughts happen. That's what. So I had to do the clear, cancel, delete. And then I had to text her friends, please tell my daughter to turn her phone on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I'm sure embarrassed her, but it worked. And she texted me back. And she, you know where she was? She was two doors down at her friend's house in the driveway talking before walking home. <laughs> <laughs> but really and truly, we're always going to have those panicky thoughts. And we need to learn to have a quick, effective technique. And those three X's work for me. Something else might work for you. But just have something where when those scary thoughts intrude, you just, boom, send it right back and say, nope, you're not going to penetrate my body. Great advice. Oh, and finally, I wanted to say, you know, if you think about that word, enjoy, like what do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy spending your free time doing? The word enjoy really is telling us to live in joy, right? Mm -hmm. How many times in our day are we living in joy? I mean, I know for me, hours and hours of my day are spent in my to-do list, not in joy. And so thinking, really and truly thinking about that, where in my day did I live in joy? And think about one thing I really like about myself 
that didn't come out right. <laughs> but one thing that, that's helpful is that I find joy in really small things. Like it's not the big grand gestures that make me happy. Like really, really small things make me happy. One of my teenagers hugging me, uh, having a minute to, to bake cookies, cooking a new recipe, and it actually tastes great. Like the littlest things make me so silly happy. Finding more of those and incorporating them into your day is super, super important for combating anxiety. And, and just asking, asking questions, I think that's such the key to all of this, Denise. Whose anxiety is this? Whose pain in my body is this? Whose energy am I picking up? Where am I living in joy? Where am I finding stillness and silence? When am I connecting to my body? When am I feeling grounded? Who is draining my energy? What situation in my life is pulling the joy from me right now? Asking those questions. Our subconscious mind, when I did, I did research for the, my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, on the reticular activating system, I highly recommend everyone research the RAS, the reticular activating system, because the science they're doing on this is fascinating. And one of the things that they have been able to prove the subconscious mind is always seeking to protect us. And so when we ask ourselves a question, the RAS, the reticular activating system of our brain, goes into overdrive trying to find an answer to that question. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's why, like, if you say to someone, like, for example, I wanted two swivel chairs for my family room. And so I was telling my friends, hey, if you guys see two swivel chairs, let me know. Suddenly, after just saying that question out loud, I found the two swivel chairs I've been looking for for a year that weekend. I know that's like a shallow example, but it just, try it in your own life. You ask a question, you're going to find the answer. So if you ask yourself, where am I living in joy? Your reticular activating system is going to seek out and try to find more opportunities to bring you joy. And that's going to kill anxiety. Do you I'm think glad you found your chairs. Well, thank you. I am too. They're really nice. And I got them for a very good price too. Don't ask me where I got them because it's embarrassing. I get everything at this store, so I guess everyone can guess. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it, they're bringing you joy. They're bringing me joy, darn it. Well, we hope this has helped you guys think and reflect on anxiety in your own life. We'd love to hear from you. If you have some tips and techniques for overcoming anxiety that we didn't mention, email us. Let us know so we can share it with everyone. And if you have a question or story you want to share for our Community Connections show coming up, again, email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. And please connect with us on Facebook. We are there under Enlightened Empaths. And we love hearing from you guys and reading your comments and sharing your post and just connecting with you guys in a, in a, in a more one-on-one -on -one way. It's super helpful for us to let us know what's going on with the show and, and how you guys are enjoying it. If you like the show, please tell a friend or consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps more people to find us. I know some of you have said you had some issues with the latest show coming up on iTunes. Just wanted to let you know that we are working on that. But you can always find us on YouTube or Spotify. But we're reaching out to iTunes and figuring out why there's a glitch in it showing up right away on Mondays. But every Monday we drop new shows and you can find us in all those places and more. As always, everyone, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.